I think about us, the three of us, what we could be. I think about it all the time. Please, it's terrible. No, it's not. I know Jim. She's my friend. I care about her. How's your day going? You look pretty. Thanks. I wore it just for you. Her father's a driver named Nick. He helped me to survive. Yes, you can, because I can't lose you. I'm not gonna let anything happen to you. What about you? Your girlfriend is a badass. Welcome to Above the Garage, a Nick and June, The Handmaid's Tale podcast. Hi, friends. Welcome to our spoiler-free analysis of Season 2, Episode 11 of The Handmaid's Tale. This episode is entitled Holly. Let's do our round of introductions and dive in. Hi, I'm Ginger. Hi, I'm Scarlett. Hi, I'm Megan. Hi, I'm Claudia. And I'm Kate. So the episode, last episode left us, they just taken Nick away and she is alone in the house. So this one opens with her running away from the house and just kind of realizing how isolated she is. But she sees the garage, which seems promising. So she's trying to break into the garage when she realizes that there's something watching her and it is a black wolf, which I think scares her at this point, although maybe she feels differently later in the episode. I mean, she's panicking, right? Right at the start of the episode, you see her panicking because Nick is gone, the car is gone. She tries to run after the cars, which is like impossible, even if she weren't nine months pregnant or eight months, we don't know. But then she goes back and she sees the garage and she, I mean, she is so determined all of a sudden and she tries to really, she tries to kick it in. She's highly pregnant. I don't know how she gets the power to do anything because I would be paralyzed and just lie there and cry, but she goes and does shit to get out. I imagine there's a lot of adrenaline uh, coursing oh, through yeah. her body too, because yeah. it's very scary. And then when the wolf comes, she looks uh, scared again for a second, but then she goes in back into being powerful. And now she's like, she doesn't want to be small and scared. And suddenly she gets the, the power look again mm-hmm. and strength yeah it's like a roller coaster the the whole time and as she goes back into the main house she says i'm sorry there's so much pain in the story i'm sorry it's in fragments like a body caught in a crossfire pulled apart by force but there's nothing i can do to change it i tried to put some of the good things in as well and she's searching the house there's no power she finally finds hannah's room with the doll house and she finds pictures of hannah like fishing with miss mckenzie and a drawing she drew of her with her new family and that's really sad. It looked like there was like a Martha and a guardian that was in that drawing, which is just sad considering that's her family now. Mm-hmm. It is. It's heartbreaking. Like this is her life. This is normal to her now. And I think, I feel like maybe June hadn't thought I'm going to discover Hannah's room, you know, so I kind of took her off guard. It wasn't really Hannah's room. It was the office and there was the dollhouse in, I guess, like she was allowed to play in the office because it's the same room where the desk was, right? Uh-huh. thought that was Mr. McKenzie's yeah, I think so. office and she just had the dollhouse in there. Well, it's nice she's allowed to play in the office. Yeah, I yeah. guess I just assumed it was her room, but it makes sense with her drawing that it would be his office. Well, I think it's hard too, though, for June to see like this is the remnants of Hannah's childhood now, you know, like it's not, yeah. and June's not a part of it. Yeah. Hannah looks happy too. So that's also kind of like a stab in the heart for her because she sees that Hannah's, you know, obviously loved. And as of now, she's still a young girl. 
quote unquote taken care of, even though it's Gilead and we know it's going to be horrible. Uh, mm-hmm. So that obviously has to be very painful for her to see that, you know, she, Hannah kind of moved on mm-hmm. because I mean, she's eight, <laughs> she's obviously going to have to move on and she was brainwashed though, so, but, but it has to be very hard. Right. I think that, and it's what this show does best, both like heartbreaking and it's also good that she's happy and loved, right? But yeah, right. I would also feel awful. Awful. They're very good at making us feel awful. I think that's why she has the flashback, though, because she sees the drawing of her current family. Mm-hmm. And then she has the flashback to having to leave Hannah, which obviously Hannah was just taken from her. And the the woman had said, the teacher had said, like, oh, she wouldn't, you know, when you leave your mom, she goes in and makes drawings of her family. So, like, you know, I think that's what triggered that for her. Mm-hmm. She has so much power and then she goes and sees the picture of Hannah and that's where she completely breaks down because you see her falling down into the chair mm-hmm. and finally taking a second to let um, herself fall a bit yeah. because I mean the mm-hmm. situation is so horrifying right. and she's going up and down and uh, it is an emotional roller coaster for real yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. And it's not surprising at all that she went into labor. Like after all, yeah. no, right? Yeah, there's a voiceover in the script that was that was cut. I mean, there's quite a few voiceovers that are cut in the script because the script was available, I guess, because it was, it was nominated. Mm-hmm. And right at the beginning, um, she says, "When I was a little, when I was little, my mom would never take me to those princesses movies. I remember hating her for it, but now I know why. In the real world, you can't wait for a prince." I thought that was really cool. So I'm sad they cut that. Yeah. Yeah, so June's remembering having uh, trouble saying about a Hannah at school. I think most of us have been through that exact moment. Mm-hmm. And um, it's pretty funny when the teacher says, I bet you remember this with your mom too. And she, I love how June <laughs> says, yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> and it probably makes it harder for her because, you know, oh, she doesn't want to let go. And it's hard enough to drop your kid off at like daycare or school where you know they're going to be cared for versus yeah. like, she just said goodbye to Hannah, who was ripped away from her again. And you know that she's not going to be safe in the long run, you know? Right. I found it the situation where uh, the, the school teacher, or I don't know if it, if it was pre-K or school or whatever. Yeah. Um, the teacher takes it from her and basically rips her a bit out of her arm yeah. and she has and Hannah screams after her and mm-hmm. June starts crying and this was the normal real world right. and mm-hmm. and then you go to Hannah screaming for her exact the same way yeah except for good this time yeah. so much worse yeah right uh it's a terrible memory for her to get lost in at the moment back when she actually like had her to keep yeah so she's remembering it and it hurts you know a billion times more now but you can see her like snap out of it and try to compartmentalize again because she's like I know I can't get lost in this any further or I'm not going to be able to do what I have to do and she finds some keys to the garage and she uncovers the car inside and turns it on and who is on the radio but Oprah Winfrey (laughs) with some good news about America so it's kind of an uplifting moment America's not all gone there's still like efforts being made you know and Oprah's still alive so (laughs) that counts for something right hallelujah and I love that they played Hungry Heart by Bruce Springsteen because that's such an American musician Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's like I feel like it's very 
uplifting. Like things look pretty bleak for her right now. She's stuck here with no way out. And she's about to give birth like any minute now. Mm-hmm. And I feel like just that little scene of her hearing that on the radio, like gave her hope, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also asked my brother what kind of car that was and, and my dad. And after much discussion and bringing another car buddy into it, uh, they seem to ha- have confidence that it's a 74, 75 Camaro. I don't know the relevance, but that's <laughs> She wasn't going to be seen if she was able to to leave in that car. Right, the racing yeah. stripe. Very simple. <laughs> Very clear. <laughs> when we were hearing the radio, uh, the voice on the radio, obviously we know it's Oprah. There's a part where she says the news. The American government in Anchorage today received promises of economic aid from India and China, as well as a reiteration of support from Russia. In the United Kingdom, additional sanctions on Gilead were announced, as well as plans to raise the cap on American refugees relocating from Canada. And I just thought if that maybe changed after the letters got out, because we obviously haven't heard anything about the politics up until the Waterfords go to Canada and we see it in the past episodes. So I wonder how, you know, that maybe changed a little bit for the fall of fucking Gilead yeah true well yeah they would definitely raise the cap and allow more in knowing that they're seeking true like asylum that they're being they're persecuted so you'd hope they would let more in Mm -hmm. but what I what I really liked about this scene though too I feel like it's a parallel to her being in the car in episode two of this season when she's at the Boston Globe Uh, but it's kind of like opposite because when she was in the car in episode two Like that was the very beginning of her pregnancy and she was not in a good headspace, obviously. And she was desperate to find Hannah and run away. And Nick was there. And this time it's opposite. She's Nick is not there. Um, She's at the end of her pregnancy. She started out like in a bad headspace when she got in the car and like Hannah was just taken from her again. Nick was taken from her, but hearing this, little snippet of the radio was like finally some good news like something you know she doesn't have nick or hannah or anybody to give her hope right now but at least she had that like knowing there's people out there fighting and so maybe maybe all is not doom and gloom right now yeah because she probably has wondered like is anybody fighting for us is anybody you know you'd think is it completely hopeless or are there people out there that know what's going on and will help eventually come I'm sure a lot of people are there waiting for help and that probably kind of empowered her a bit thinking oh, okay they know what's going on yeah and I and I feel like like in both of these scenes like in episode two she had she was determined but it was more of like determined based on fear right and like she was being reckless and this time like you can see her get that determination back but it seems more I guess powerful like she's not as reckless like she I don't know well, she's more like fiery now like she's yeah. empowered yeah getting ready more to... confident i guess not based on fear as much yeah i kind of feel that i felt that uh, the message in the radio kind of fueled her a bit too right because she's uh, she was starting to cry a bit and talking to the baby and then she's like fuck it and starts to make a plan what she's going to do and i like seeing her talk to the baby because there were so many times, especially like in the middle of the season where she was purposely not connecting yeah. with the baby mm-hmm. and now she right. is. Yeah. Yeah. I like when she got like 
fuck it and and went inside with yeah. purpose because at first i was like fuck it she's getting up but then you see her gathering stuff and not at all she's just been smart about it did somebody uh, think about how close she maybe is to canada because the radio seems to be from canada i think i mean the great white noah is probably canada right that's where they're broadcasting from yeah, yeah. Canada for sure that's where i don't know how close june is but Oprah was doing her broadcast from Canada, the Great White North. Yeah. Yeah. But um, she has to be a bit close because um, otherwise she wouldn't have been able to get the signal, right? I, I would think that Gilead tried to get all communications cut off. Probably not from commanders, though. They, they yeah. probably have free reign. I would think the towers, like, like the towers are still there. Like Fred was using a laptop back in, I don't remember which episode, the middle of the season. So obviously there's right. internet. So I'm. They all communicate. I don't think this lake yeah. house is that far away from the waterfront. Yeah, we know that they had three hours to get there and back and do whatever they're doing. So they probably yeah. only traveled like an hour. Yeah. And Boston mm -hmm. is 548 miles from Canada. So they're not that close. Okay. They're right. still in the 400 plus miles from Canada. But yeah, no, yeah. I like the thinking. That makes sense. There's also another cutscenes in the script when she's in the car she's thinking you know she says this was cut uh if we go it's just you and me no going back for anyone not your father and not obviously she can't say the name hannah trying to follow or find her or nick would be suicide and then she says she'll forgive me they both will i hope they will and i was also really sad that they cut that because it kind of shows she obviously does not want to leave Hannah. Hannah's always her main priority, but yeah. it shows that she's also thinking about, about Nick. You know, it's important for her and leaving him is also something that's going to be very painful for her. Uh, we, we see and hear her talking and thinking about Hannah. So that's there. But that the fact that she didn't even once think about Nick, I, I think it's like uh, no way because she was... I mean, we get to, into it later, but she was so scared for the baby. She wants this baby to survive. It's, it's yeah. her and Nick's baby. So, of course, she would think about him. You're right. Not one time do they, does she. Yeah. But you never hear her talk, I think about Nick in the show, no. right? But you do see it in the cut script notes. So it, I just wonder why they continue to, why did they do that? Because there's so many script notes that show, clearly show that if they, like said that you would know she's thinking of Nick. Maybe what you just said, maybe obviously she's thinking about him. So they don't feel the need to overstate it, but I'd love it if they did. I kind of understand why they made this episode her, like, yeah, you know, sure. she, she also is thinking about him further down. And I understand why they would cut that because this is all about her and motherhood and all that. I understand that, but I figured it was kind of important to add it because I don't know if you guys get the same feeling, but sometimes I think the show sometimes gives more attention or highlights more Luke's journey with fatherhood versus Nick's journey with fatherhood. And yeah. I think they're both equally important. But to your earlier point, though, about this episode being about June, like, I definitely get that. And I think that's fine. But Nick is still a part of June's life. And I don't think it takes away from this being about her, just for her to say out loud to her baby, we're not going to leave you know, we're going to leave your father and your sister and not come back for them. I don't think that takes anything away from that. No. The intent was there because I read an interview with a, with a writer, with Kara Snyder, and, and she says that, you know, when she thinks about Luke, is it the hope that she'll see him again? That means leaving behind Nick, the father of her child. So the memories both help and haunt her. 
she just tasked her, her herself and her inner strength to save herself and her daughter. So, so the intention was there, at least from the writer, which I think, you know, is important to also know that. But I think it's, uh, this was, this was good that Nick wasn't there. I, I mean, uh, of course, I hate that yeah. he couldn't be right. there, but the, the fact that it was only centered on her, the birth, yep. uh, showed her growth so much and her yeah. strength her obvious right. yeah right and in relation and, to like her mom like it worked really well with mm-hmm. exactly and so um if nick would have been there and helped her of course we would have loved to see it but um that would have just been for us yeah it would have made <laughs> it just a completely different story i really think that uh coming back to the episode 10 moment where she had the uh, braxton hicks contractions Mm -hmm. and nick got her out of the car and guided her up i really think after they left serena behind and went inside Mm -hmm. i mean she had probably uh, at least one contraction while he guided her upstairs right so Mm -hmm. i had now he helped her at least through one contraction (laughs) (laughs) one that's all we get one these contract. are the scraps that we like dine on <laughs> we cling to yeah. yes okay so she goes back inside and starts gathering items she may need blankets or aid kit uh she packs it all into a backpack and heads back to the garage loads it in the car and then looks down at herself and sees a lot of red i was thinking about this um i feel like when she was realizing like what she was wearing mm-hmm. i feel like she was thinking of nick's words from episode two where he said, you're a pregnant handmaid, everybody will be looking for you. Yeah. And that was back when she was like five weeks pregnant. So I feel like this is her thinking like, oh shit, like I'm a nine month pregnant handmaid wearing bright red. Like maybe I should go change. Right. <laughs> she was a walking target. That Scarlett's pointing out the car to me, I guess really doesn't matter if she's going to get in the <laughs> car and go. <laughs> um, so she heads back in and she goes to Mrs. McKenzie's wardrobe and is... <laughs> Funnily shocked when she opens it and finds only teal wives dresses. Uh, and then she thinks to go to Commander McKenzie's and goes for the suit jacket. I feel like though she, I mean, she probably wouldn't have fit into the wife's clothing, but I feel like she kind of looked at it and was like, I can't do that. Cause it reminded her too much of Serena. Yeah, so I feel like probably. that's like just the principle. She probably was like, okay, I no, this commander suck like that's better than dressing like Serena. Yeah, so then she remembers uh, she's at the commander wardrobe and looking at herself in the mirror and she remembers getting ready for a party in the before times with Luke when she's also super pregnant and gorgeous. She's so pretty in that black like fitted mm-hmm. dress with the open back. Oh, she's beautiful. Elizabeth Moss is beautiful. Anyway, uh, Luke's, you know, being super sweet and saying she's awesome and they both tell the baby hannah that they're ready for her to come out for this flashback like i definitely think she's obviously thinking of luke but i feel like it was kind of more than just him i feel like you know she's looking at the black commander coat which reminds her of the black dress and just remembering like how completely opposite this birth is going to be from hannah right because when she when she was with hannah she had a partner they were looking forward to the birth of this baby they were ready for her like wanting her to come out and this time she had no choice in getting pregnant. Her partner was just taken from her. Her baby is going to be taken from her and she's completely alone. So I feel like she is 
probably missing Luke, but I think it's just more complicated just because this whole birth scenario could not be any more opposite as it was with Hannah. Oh, yeah. Down to the fact that I think that Nick and June, and June especially right now, does not want the baby to come out right now, you know? They, yeah. The baby's theirs as long as it doesn't come out, and especially with this new potential to maybe escape. But this scenario is, like you said, polar opposite. This would be the absolute worst time to give birth. Yeah, literally. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, that's what will happen. Of course. <laughs> then she hears the car pulling up and looks outside, and it's the usual Mercedes SUV. I don't know if she hoped it was Nick briefly, but she didn't. She looked kind of like, I mean, you could see Serena, basically, in the front pretty quickly so probably she didn't have that moment but uh then you see she's you know devastated things are things have changed dramatically now and the waterfords come in yelling for offred and nick commander mckenzie even and serena is like i'm not leaving without my baby and fred wants to just leave which is like crazy because they should worry at me i mean obviously look around the house even when she convinces him to look around the house I would look around the house like a lot better than they do. Well, he's he is so dumb and delusional here. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's like the whole conversation is. He's like, we shouldn't be here. Well, you're the one who sent them here, you dumbass. Yeah, <laughs> yes, and that's your biggest yeah. concern. Well, she's dumb too, though. Oh yeah, Serena's dumb. She, I mean, she comes in screaming, "Ah, Fred!" Like she's gonna like <laughs> beat the crap out of her. Yeah. Like like June's gonna be like, "Oh, here I am." It's like, no. Do you remember the last time that? when she like choked her out at the window after her first escape attempt it's like maybe you should have come Alfred like right right right. are you okay we you know she doesn't care but instead she's like Alfred like in in the wicked most wicked voice I'd be like okay I'm hiding but then Fred's like I'm sure Nick will check in soon okay like (laughs) really you you really think he's gonna check in like come on and they've been gone long enough that like that they got that they came out here to find them so it's been a while and how's he gonna check in right they're not there so where, and where they're late they went that they're gonna check in right she's right they've either run away or something terrible has happened there's no scenario where nick is checking in with you anytime soon <laughs> i love this scene so much because it is my favorite waterford scene ever because they yes. are both like all bets are off here like there's no more like playing around trying to like play their game with each other like they are both just pissed off and so bluntly honest with both their hatred for each other. And I just think it's really entertaining. Yeah. I enjoy it immensely too. They're alone. Nobody's there to hear them. Yeah. They can't do that in the house because that, I'm guessing that's not Gilead-like. Not proper. So mm-hmm. they still have to be civil to each other. And now that they think that they're alone, they're like a typical miserable marriage that yeah. have been dragging mm-hmm. their issues for the longest time. You know, I've said it before, like they had a nice marriage before, you know, they were pretty balanced. And after everything that's happened, I mean, we see what Serena tells him. She's obviously bitter about it after everything also that has happened because obviously she's the one that created this. But, you know, it's really fun to see just an actual marriage, like, over. Like, their marriage is over. Right. Like, it had been mm-hmm. over. But, yeah, it's hilarious. They have disdain for each other. You can tell they're just like, oh. They're over it, yeah. Well, plus they're scared and desperate. Yeah. So, like, they're not in the mood to, like, play their little games where they try to, like, placate each other or, play, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. like yeah. manipulate each other they're just being like as honest as they feel but and as much as i like can't stand serena i do at least appreciate she's not as idiotic as fred <laughs> is here <which laughs> like nick, yeah. nick wouldn't be disloyal and she's like How are you <laughs> stupid they hate you <laughs> you just raped her yesterday 
they've always hated you. She keeps running away from you. <laughs> I like that line for some reason. Even though I love that. Like demeaning like a child maybe, but it's funny. <laughs> I like that Fred clarified. That was your idea. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it was Serena's rape. idea yes. to rape June. You, you orchestrated that rape, Serena. It's not just on me. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting that she used the word rape mm-hmm. because obviously like she uh-huh. you think knows she would want to like tone it down in her head or something but she didn't yeah and yeah she knows what she did and yeah. like it's and it's a mute I don't know I just think it's interesting that she used the word rape obviously because obviously ceremonies are rape but then obviously we talked about how the that rape scene was truly like horrifically rape so obviously she knows that it was wrong but then she's acting like it's totally his fault like it <laughs> you know like it was his idea it's like he's trying to be noble, saying, well, I did it to fix your mess. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's so twisted. I raped her for uh, you. Yeah. Like, no. That is, no. True love. True love. No, you no. raped her I for me. I think when he said that, I think when he said that, he's talking about sending her to see Hannah to fix her rape oh. mess, as if it was uh, not. Right. right. Yeah, that makes more rape. sense. But like mm-hmm. no Maybe. matter what, I'm just saying everybody's like really guilty, and they're none of this. This whole conversation is ridiculous. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're trying to justify it. Obviously, he knew what he was doing was wrong too. You know, obviously. So just the yeah, argument over that is insane. Yeah. Also enjoy that she's like you sent. How did she say it? I didn't her out that. here with the father of her baby to see her daughter. What did exactly. you think was going to happen? That she was yeah. going to go home and thank you. <laughs> sorry i love that so much and he said i don't know if it was before or after but he said like I, I let her see her child she would have been she'd be grateful like he plays yeah, of course on his head and yes i mean oh. yeah you raped me yesterday but you're such a kind man for letting yeah. me see my daughter that you ripped you know you orchestrated to get kidnapped because of the system that you guys created but i am grateful of course fucking asshole but again he's so delusional like it's like does he forget that Nick is a father? I mean, he obviously does not understand the depth of their love. No, he no, just thinks firm donor. Never. Doesn't it, understand never their relationship because right. why on earth would you? I mean, there's been other times where they've sent June in the car with other guardians, like Serena, at least. Mm-hmm. Like in episode, the season one finale, when she had the other guy drive them to go see Hannah mm-hmm. because she knew Nick was not going to be the one to do that or mm-hmm. a good idea for that. Yeah. So like, obviously Fred is just too dumb to think about. Maybe I shouldn't send her alone with the father of her child. Right. Fred thinks it's, it's uh, love doesn't exist. Love is only lust with a good marketing campaign. He said that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't mm-hmm. believe that there is really true love out there. So, and he thinks Nick is loyal because he never showed him right. that he actually is working against him and not for him. So, right. It's not like he's yeah. ever showed him any actual like real loyalty that we've seen though either. So it's mm-hmm. funny to me that he's so sure of his loyalty. He just yeah. works for him. He just drives him around and puts up with yeah. him talking to him. He doesn't even like, engage. <laughs> I also like how the conversation shows you like how dangerous Gilead is. Because even though they are obviously Gilead believers, they shouldn't be there. Fred says it at the beginning. That's why they want to yes. leave quickly. But then Serena says, like, what are we going to do? Like, how are we going to fix this? You know, we can't explain it. We can't report it. To have a pregnant handmaid run away once is bad enough. But twice, they'll mm-hmm. say we're part of the resistance. So it's very, Gilead is obviously, we know, based on fear. It's it's a very fragile, fragile loyalty that these people can have. Because if you're seen as a threat, they're just going to put you on the wall. And obviously, you know, mm-hmm. 
because of that, we get that wonderful line of they'll put us on the wall. Yeah, maybe they'll hang us side by side. Just my fucking luck. <laughs> love, <laughs> love that. Amazing. Mm-hmm. I want to point out how amazing they both were, uh, Yvonne and Joseph, mm-hmm. uh, in that scene. I mean, it's glorious. It's such a silent a- episode, too, that to yeah. have this like outburst in the middle is just the dichotomy is even more delightful. I, all the things that they think of in the show are amazing to me. I thought it was interesting too because Serena always treats June like a child and she tells Fred like you have a sick infatuation with that girl so once Mm -hmm. again she's a 34 year old woman and she still can't call her a woman she still has to call her a girl Mm -hmm. but it delights me a little that Serena is feeling that she knows that Fred that June has like everything she wants that's all if you're gonna rape her and shit I'm gonna enjoy you being miserable well I mean Serena also I like how how she says I gave everything up for you like you don't give up anything for any man I would say and she was so strong before Gilead in the flashbacks and then she says this you know I gave up everything for you and for the cost and I only ever wanted one thing in return which was a baby and you see her here kind of weak because she literally has nothing but she's blaming Fred she's not blaming herself I mean she obviously had a lot to do with this these were her choices but Yvonne is is amazing I yeah in this Dexter and everything just for the record but she's also so sweet in real life mm-hmm. does anybody know if she was pregnant in this season yeah she was because I remember that she was when he pushes her at the wall when uh, when he gets really angry when she dares to say that he's obsessed with June he pushes her against the wall and all I was thinking was about was Yvonne pregnant here <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it looked so uh, hardcore like really violent um, yeah. <laughs> well hopefully it looked worse than it actually was for sure it did but yeah <laughs> so during that part the um you know june's got a shotgun that she's loaded and she has trained on them and i can't believe she didn't pull the trigger i mean obviously this is a show so i get it but in real life i would have pulled that trigger i don't care after having suffered what she had i would have too I, my theory is this that she's not ruthless like they are like she's showing her humanity here like if you want to compare june and serena like serena says all she wants is her baby and yeah. june wants her baby too like both yeah. of her babies that she was forced to give up you know partially because of serena but june is not willing to destroy other people to get what she wants like serena is and it just shows how june is capable of being a human unlike Serena who just literally does not care about anybody but herself and what she wants also certain death for her if she does kill him if I mean if they find her there and they're blown to bits yeah. she's thinking of escape though it's right. necessary if she really believes she can escape right now is unlikely and yeah. not accurate but if she thinks she can then that would be protecting her baby so that she can get away right. as well as she got raped yesterday and I would kill those she should kill them, but, but yeah. I get it. I understand. I think it was because of that, because they didn't want to show her as being ruthless. But it's funny because it's the Serena, like, losing it. Like, Serena, like, brokenness that makes her say her hand, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's when she's saying, I'm nothing, I've got nothing, you've left me nothing, and she's saying nothing over and over and over again. And that's when June's like, oh, I can't. It's it's ironic though that June can empathize with Serena as a woman, but Serena cannot empathize with June as a woman. Like yeah. it's, no. it's incredible to me. Right. Uh, so finally, Fred 
does convince Serena to leave and my last note on that again was they did not do a very good job of searching the house especially after they found her cloak and they know for sure that she's been in there she's changed I would look a little harder but the car is gone okay I get it they think that they're on the run I well it's such a big house too like they obviously didn't look everywhere it's huge so then June goes into she goes down yeah she goes down to look uh, if they really have left and then she she takes a breath and thinks okay now I can do this we can leave now I can try to <laughs> yeah. flee and suddenly the first contraction hits mm -hmm. yeah so Holly's touring her around the birthing center um she's pushing for her to do the midwife doula birthing center scene and my god that room looked nice like I just mm -hmm. would go there right now for a couple nights it was like the nicest bath <laughs> it was such a serene room and she's telling her telling her and Moira how she had an unmedicated birth which I think is really cool for people that are involved in helping other people with birth because mm -hmm. I think it's nice if you're going to tell other people how to get through something that you know how it would actually feel to get through an unmedicated birth mm -hmm. uh, but June is not uh, into <laughs> that and she's like ah you kind of want just like nurses and doctors and medication Drug. <laughs> drugs <yeah. laughs> i feel her i do yep. too mm -hmm. <laughs> i wanted drugs but i got unmedicated so i get it <laughs> i did too almost the whole how was it i got to like eight centimeters unmedicated and no Honestly, I thought it was going to be something that I wasn't going to be able to do. I mean, I asked for drugs and my doctor came late, so I was already ready to push so I couldn't yeah. have any sort of medication. And yes, it was very painful, but I didn't pass out. I, I was able to I was able to do it. So it yeah. was kind of, I guess, cool in a way after I've this cool. like came to terms with the whole thing. Yeah, you come. You're like, yes, you're a badass. And that's awesome. Yeah, you did it. And it was fast, though. I wonder. Why, why is it you can't do it like later? I mean, if it's gonna, if, if the baby's coming out, I, I get it, but like. Well, I remember like, I didn't do, like I had a very weird kind of vision of pregnancy because I didn't do any birthing classes. I gave birth by myself too. Like obviously my mom was there, but you know, mm -hmm. my daughter's father wasn't there. Right. Um, and I remember saying, I do not want to be in labor for a long time. Like that was right. what I was scared of. So I asked for to speed it up so I got Pitocin that's the medication that I got it was a fast birth so I got there at six in the morning and about 10 in the morning like Camila was already out so oh, that's wow. really, but no no pain for anything so yeah it was actually pretty fast Four hours think, wow yeah wow. that's awesome Claudia you were saying you you asked for nomads I uh, went into it with my first one uh, thinking I don't I'm scared of the epidural I don't want it and then <laughs> It all went really to shit <laughs> after really long, not really long time. I think I was there for about a day before mm -hmm. it went down south. And that's when it was too late for medication. So mm -hmm. I had to pull through and then it ended in, a, in an emergency C-section. So we had it all. We really did experience all of it. And for the second one, I still didn't want any medication. And okay. I did a natural birth for the first uh, second because I wanted, like I had the, the rush, I wanted to, it sounds stupid, but I wanted to do it the right way, even though there is no right way, but I wanted right. to. That's not stupid though. No. I wanted to experience it like it was supposed to be. Like, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. That's what I wanted. And I, I had to have two scheduled C-sections because my daughter oh. is my oldest and she was breech. Actually, she was oh, transferred, which of course I was devastated that I had to have a C-section. But my doctor is like, if you, if this was like years ago when they didn't have, you know, yeah. medicine, she's like, you yeah. would have died in childbirth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would have died too. Yeah. I don't know what a t- contraction actually yeah. feels like. I mean, I had bad Braxton Hicks, but I never... Like, I, it makes me really sad that I don't know what it's like to be in labor, even though obviously it wouldn't be fun, you know? I've seen those, like, my my kids watch these YouTubers. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. And, um, <laughs> I think that they can uh, create the feeling of contractions for you, Ginger, if you find the correct. Uh, oh, I love it when they strap those on the guys. It's like, it is it's like a p- electro pulse and it like creates cramps for the men. It's hilarious. Yeah. Watch those videos. It's hilarious. The men are rolling around. They're like squealing. <laughs> Everybody, I hate, I hate when moms are like, they go, through, they have babies and they, and they come out on the other side saying like, I didn't have the experience I wanted or didn't, you know, I had C-sections and I was okay with it, but I know so many people that weren't and it's just so sad. And I hate that. I hate that. Well, yeah, like I'm, gl- I'm looking back. I'm glad I had a C-section with my daughter because if I didn't, I wouldn't have been in the hospital for four days. And we found out that I was producing like zero milk. So she oh. was basically starving. So when they came in, when she was like three days old, cause I had her on a Friday afternoon. So of course the weekend, like nobody used to go the shifts, yeah. So when they came, so she like kept crying and crying, like, and I, I was crying myself. Cause I'm like, what am I doing wrong? And then they came in Monday and she lost 12% of her body weight, oh, which no. is dangerous for them to go more than 10. So like she was basically starving and we didn't know it. So like, I think it, I had, I think to me, like that was for a reason that it all happened that way. Cause I wouldn't have been in the hospital mm-hmm. if I had like the birth I wanted. So, I mean, it worked out, but yeah, you know, I think, you know, everybody has expectations of what they want and it, yes. exactly. when it doesn't go that way, you know? Yeah. Well, I assume we're talking <laughs> about labor in some manner. Oh yeah. <laughs> so she's telling she wants doctors. She wants doctors and nurses and a lot of drugs. And Holly says, you're stronger than you think, which is mm-hmm. definitely true of our June. And then June, I don't know if she meant to say this even, but it slips out that she's like, oh, you won't even be there. And she's like, and Holly's like, what do you mean? Of course I'll be there. And she's like, oh, you know, you have a lot of important work. And, and Holly's like, I'll definitely be there. And June's like, don't make promises you can't keep. And of course, she ends up not being there. Holly says, and what, I think it's more important than you. Yep. Like she was shocked that June believed that her work was more important than her. And I yep. guess she realized that that was one of her mistakes, like putting so much into her work. She has a reason to, you know, mm-hmm. but you see that wedge between them, like throughout the flashbacks, even though there aren't that many, because June wanted some things that Holly maybe wasn't, she really didn't agree with because of how things were going in the country I thought that was kind of like a sad part when when Holly realizes oh you know maybe I, I wasted time you know because yeah her daughter's telling her how she feels indirectly yeah like June wanted her to go to her sports games and shit I feel like you know mm-hmm. and, and yeah for that stuff. but then Gilead happened so you can't fault Holly entirely. But I think June takes that to heart when she says don't make promises you can't keep because what I found interesting when she talks to Hannah in the last episode and you know Hannah's like will I ever see you again like June does not make any promises to her that she can't keep you know like she doesn't Mm -hmm. say yes I'll definitely see you or yes she just I'm gonna try because obviously she is gonna try so I think maybe that's how she parents 
her daughter, like trying not to do that. So she doesn't set her up for the disappointment that she felt Mm -hmm. with her mom. Yeah, exactly. That's what you do. You try Mm -hmm. to make up the mistakes that you feel maybe your mom or your parents did with yourself. Right. And I do think this scene too is kind of showing like June is obviously not wanting to take any risks here. And she's, you know, she doesn't, she wants to go where there's hospital or she feels safe, like in the hospital and with medicine and you know, Holly tells her like, you know, you're Mm -hmm. stronger than you think. And I think this is showing to the journey of how June has made such a change from being anti-risk taking to that's all she does every day now. Like she's becoming more like her mom in that sense. Right. And she's going back on what her mom has said to her and realizing that she was right. A lot of the time Mm -hmm. that her way of doing things was just as good, you know, I mean, and it worked in this, she pulls from that. Yeah, and they have more in common than she thought they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually, um, Holly keeps her promise in the end. But the only thing is that the flight got delayed. So that's why she wasn't there. She wanted mm-hmm. to be there. She went there, but she was uh, held back. But she mm-hmm. turned up anyway. So she really took it to heart. June did say that Hannah was two weeks early. Oh, right. she was. Yeah. Back yeah. in the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's not like Holly was traveling like, around her due date you know I don't yeah. know though like mm-hmm. I feel like if I was June I'd just been like I knew you weren't gonna make it here I knew you weren't gonna be here. <laughs> I guess it's the plan's fault but I would have just been like I knew you weren't gonna come because she seemed <laughs> disappointed too even though she knew she was gonna be disappointed anyway yes she gets passed it was planned. yeah and uh, by the way uh, if you're saying Hannah was two weeks early uh, it seems that Holly is at least two weeks early too, right? I caught when you said that earlier, Claudia. What did you mean by eight months pregnant? Because when the doctor comes to uh, examine June in episode 10, he's like, no, we, we, not, we are not going to induce her now because she's not on her due date, I think. Because I think yeah, he said it was next close. week. Yeah, because they were, they were commenting about how, I think it was in episode nine too. They all kept saying like, it seemed like she was nine months pregnant because they all kept saying like, it's anytime it's getting close. Mm -hmm. And like Serena didn't want to leave her because it was the last month. But I think the doctor said that it was like in another week, he would induce her if she didn't go into labor. I somehow thought he was talking about like two weeks later that they will see to it. But yeah, maybe you're right. Well, in America too, they sometimes let you go 42 yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, that's, that's so they, they let, let you go, go past two here. Yeah, sure, here too. But uh, since he's since she, Serena was so vigilant. Adamant. It, it, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know how long do you want to wait if someone is high risk. He didn't want to mess around with her because she's high risk. Like yeah, trying sure. to induce and all that. Like it's, I think he was trying to say like it's safer for her to go into labor naturally. Yeah. yeah. Um, back in current time, June focuses and gets herself back to the garage and there's no power. So the garage door won't open and she's unable to manually pull it up. She tries ramming it with the car, which was a a good idea. And I'm surprised it didn't work. And then she goes outside to try to leverage it with a shovel, I think. Mm -hmm. But after she falls down, she realizes that her water broke. Her time is up. This whole scene though, like it's so bad for her. Like it gave me so much anxiety because she's, Mm -hmm. she's in a garage turning the car on, which is obviously dangerous. And then she's ramming the car against the door and then she's taking a shovel. What are you going to do, Ginger? Not start that car? No, I agree. (laughs) But I'm just like in my head, I'm like, you're nine months pregnant. You're high risk. You're alone. Like this is not. Go lay down. Go lay down in Gilead (laughs) in your house by yourself. 
no i know what you're saying it is like she had no alternatives but it's still like just as a viewer i'm like no this is not safe well and i also like i know that garages do have uh manual options because my power went out once and i had to get out yeah uh, first uh it's the switch which doesn't work because the power is off then she goes to the manual to the pull string Mm -hmm and tries to pull it out open but it is frozen so she can't and then she goes frozen that's what it was claudia yeah then she she rents the car into it it doesn't work and then she goes out and tries to get the snow away which doesn't work as well because it's frozen and she doesn't have the power but i love this this show i I think i'm gonna say this every episode now but i love this show in the snow and the red god it's so good it looks so good Mm -hmm. And with the wolf, it was like Little Red Riding Hood to me. I'm like, it's yeah. so... And it was. <laughs> it was. Yeah. That was not irrelevant. Yeah. We'll talk about that in the book. We'll talk about in the deep dive. Come listen to the deep dive. She goes into panic so hard. I felt that it was so horrible. She cried and... and oh, I know. Oh. Because that was gone, finally. Yeah, like, she can't go. Yeah. Her time is up. That's the moment where her dream of escape and and having her baby in a hospital in Canada and being free afterwards, that's just... In an instant. But I think it's just heartbreaking too to realize like she's realizing she's alone. Like mm-hmm. it's not that she could go into labor, like you know, because she had contractions earlier, but your water breaking obviously means like now it's imminent, you know? Yeah. yeah. So that's mm-hmm. it. And now now she truly has to do this all by herself, knowing mm-hmm. that she's high risk. Right. It's such a heartbreaking moment to watch her watch that. Oh she also loses the hope of being free because yeah. she was so close you know like that house that everything that happens is kind of like a parallel to being in gilead because everything goes wrong you know everything mm-hmm. that can go wrong goes wrong i mean obviously she wasn't going to make it in the car in the flashy car but her time was up her body kind of like betrayed betrayed her because of, yeah. that was it you know yeah yeah but i think um she still thought maybe she can do it after words with the baby maybe because um only when she goes uh she starts to bleed later yeah the blood yeah that's when the the point of no return when she knows she can't do anything she just has to call them yeah yeah you're right yeah that's the uh, somehow they take us even further down below this moment yeah i think i can't go any further down i know it's so (laughs) heartbreaking because like again like i said the last episode all the things that this poor woman went through just in the last like 24 to 36 hours yeah is just so traumatizing and it just (laughs) keeps on going it's like (sighs) how much more can one human handle oh there'll be more there'll be more ginger i know but it's (laughs) just like it's heartbreaking all right so then she goes inside and builds a fire and lays down and she's like i love that she's like all right i gotta make this i gotta do this i gotta Mm -hmm. do this do this safely as I can so she goes inside she builds herself a fire and a bed and a bed yeah she goes uh, she sits down or she doesn't lie down immediately she goes down to make herself comfortable and suddenly she realizes something is wrong and she gets gets this extreme pain and uh, then she passes out I did wonder though like if she was she I mean was she bleeding because she's high risk or did anything that she just did in a garage have anything to do with that or was it so upset (laughs) (laughs) 
she tried to get the fucking door open, then she slipped, she fell on mm-hmm. the Yeah, you're mat. right. There's a lot. Yeah. That's why I feel like it's probably a little bit of everything. It is. Yeah. And then she still after after falling down and having contractions, um, she goes in and makes herself a bed and makes the fire. So she's mm-hmm. still doing sh- things and her body just gives out and the placenta. It's so much blood. I think just the the um it, it looks like it was the placenta rupturing and she had this this extreme pain so I, I thought that was the moment it happened because afterwards when she wakes up again there's the blood mm-hmm. everywhere so so as she, after she passed out she is remembering hannah's birth or dreaming of it and june's asking for an epidural and she doesn't does she not give it to her in the first in hannah's no birth? she's no. too too early no. Yeah, so she never yeah. gets it? Is that one unmedicated? Or? I think she no. probably does eventually, but just not then. Okay. They wanted her to progress more because sometimes it can slow your labor if you get the epidural. So they wanted her to gotcha. get a little more time in. I thought this show, I guess, wanted to show that Hannah's birth was, you know, she had all the people and the medication and the playlists mm-hmm. and the people bringing her water and like every possible thing you could have versus this yeah unmedicated birth by herself but anyway so yeah uh she's asked for epidural too early and it's adorable that both moira and luke have made june labor playlists and moira makes fun of luke's but june's nice about it for like a minute (laughs) and she asks about her mom even though she expected she's going to disappoint her she's still disappointed that she's not there and moira goes to text her and um june's going through a contraction she's like fuck is this song i hate this song and what was this (laughs) sorry whoever made that song i'm sure it's lovely but they they did like as i was listening to it because they just talked about the playlists i was like this is not good labor music (laughs) (laughs) and then in present time she wakes up and she can feel the moisture and she puts her hand down there to bring it up and see if it's blood and it is and she sits up to look and it's like I mean, we saw it first, I guess, before she did that. We saw that she's completely, the sheet's completely soaked in blood. And then when she, like, gets up and you can tell she's nervous to look and see. And Jesus, give this woman a break. How fucking terrifying it would be to be in the situation, period. And then this happens. And then, like, you haven't had the baby yet or anything. And there is just blood everywhere. I think that's the moment that she, like, resigns herself to the realization, like, I may die. We may not make it out of here. Like, this may not go well and Mm -hmm. hope is gone once again you know freedom like any chance of freedom now because she knew she'd have to ask for help it's so sad and scary to see that the script talks about that it says you know what you guys were talking about earlier maybe was the fall by the garage maybe it's because hers is a high risk pregnancy like the doctor said but this much blood isn't normal for labor neither is pain severe enough to make her pass out and then there's the other voiceover that I talked earlier when she's talking to the baby and says, no one's looking for us. No one except your father even knows where we are. And if he could, he would have come for us. He would have by now. I wish they so kept that. Yeah. And then that's when she realizes and, you know, this next scene is, is so heartbreaking because yeah. I didn't realize at first when I saw it, I'm like, what is she doing? And then I was like, no, 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 no. Yeah. yeah. She's taking care of her baby she's such a yes. good mom you know mm-hmm. she knows the baby has to uh, get oh. out now mm-hmm. yeah. now and she may die and the baby needs help you know yeah like, yep. and what she says it's like yes i know i promised you i'm sorry that was the heartbreaking part mm-hmm. 
gonna be okay. I do think it's a good thing she didn't end up shooting at the Waterfords because she needed those bullets. Yeah. Yes, she had more. She has a contraction, then the wolf is back and uh, she fires two shots and then the wolf mm-hmm. is gone. And then two yeah. more shots and then here I am, come and get me. Yep. Oh God, that was so devastating. Yeah. We'll yeah. talk a little bit more in the deep dive, but the wolf in a way symbolized like wildness and freedom and... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She didn't even flinch shooting that shotgun. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Those things have a kickback. It's she tough. it tight to her shoulder. Yeah. The rem- remnants of the, the smoke mm-hmm. hits her face. And she doesn't, yeah, I was impressed, really. She's badass. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When she told the baby, I know, I promised you it's going to be okay. It's a little similar to the Hannah conversation. I feel like she's making promises as a mom, like we talked about in another episode that you try everything to keep and it's just outside of your capabilities you know Mm -hmm. getting the baby out so she says after she fires the gun and the wolf is gone here i am come and get me and then she's back in front of the fire on her knees i love that june gets completely undressed like Mm -hmm. oh shit's given she knows somebody will come and she's like i'm going to do this like all in it's yep. raw and yeah primal and exactly yeah. primal mm-hmm. and natural and natural she's going all that quite literally yep. all natural with this and also like elizabeth moss doing that as an actress is kind of amazing like the yeah. amounts of effort and sacrifices and vulnerability that she's willing to put into this role to make it the absolute best that it can be is amazing to me yeah i believe it took two days to film the scene it was her the director and somebody else only okay but like considering she's never given birth i just think it's yes she's just phenomenal like it's so believable yeah she nailed it i would never have known no you would think obviously this woman has given birth because right, like obviously <laughs> she obviously must know how it feels you know but she, she does so good and that's coming from five women that have given birth. Yes. And yeah. <laughs> Very believable. Yeah. Basically, we'll never stop praising her for how talented she is. No. no. And actually, this was the first scene I ever saw about Handmaid's Tale. There are doctors on YouTube uh, and they are reacting to scenes from um, hospital shows like ER or Grey's and Ed. Oh, cool. Like and she's a, yeah, a gynecologist. Mm-hmm. And uh, she, I, I love her. She's really great. And she gives really amazing information about all of this. And she reviewed this scene. And I didn't know that the uh, series existed at all because it wasn't available here. Mm-hmm. And I saw this one scene, June giving birth. And I was so amazed. And then I looked it up and I wanted to see it. And I couldn't because it wasn't available. So I had to <laughs> wait two more years, I think. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. It was very patient of you. And then you remembered it still? Yeah. She's like, I am determined to watch yeah, it. Yeah, when, when it came up, I saw the title and I was like, okay, I have to watch it now. And of <laughs> course, cool. I was spoiled because I knew she was going to have the baby from Nick. I knew she was having the baby at some point. I knew she was going to have it alone. So yeah, but it was the only spoiler I got, but it was the best. Mm-hmm. So she's in like active labor, giving birth. Contractions are obviously like super close. We're getting really close to it. And I really love the montage of all these people that are giving her strength, you know? 
even the awful red center that we all hate mm-hmm. she's drawing on that for strength because it does teach them how to give unmedicated birth you know the breathing but they do it with the power of women though like exactly. the power of your team your friends yes. your yeah yeah and she's back to janine's birth and then also luke and moira are, are giving her strength now like she's drawing on strength from everybody but nick so. <laughs> i <laughs> I had an observation though. I thought it was interesting though that like she says to Luke to go fuck himself. And then, but then after she said, because he said, like, are you ready? And she's like, go fuck yourself. She's like, I love you, but go fuck yourself. But then she turns to Moira and Moira is like, you can do this. And it's like she's depending on her Mm -hmm. like more than him, I guess, for strength. Which then when you see her in the red center, like flashing back to them practicing, they do focus on Moira. I know. So I feel like Moira is kind of like her strength. Oh, for sure. And Moira did this before her, right? After, because Hannah was Oh, yeah, right. This was after, yeah. I thought the same thing. I was like, Moira went first. But Moira, I think, in general, gives her strength. Because even back in season one, like, she was telling her, like, get your shit together and you can Mm -hmm. do this. I think it's just a parallel to how strong or how stronger we can be if we stick together as well. You know, I think motherhood is something that defines all women, even those that don't precisely have a journey with motherhood because they choose not to be mothers or they can't be mothers, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of what defines us as women. Um, it's what we're judged on. It's, I still have mothers. This episode is kind of that, you know, and, and that yeah. the fact that she does this alone, in the end, you know, even if we're with somebody or we're alone, it's something that we do. Mm-hmm. So. I actually start to cry every time when the montage comes up. Mm-hmm. It's the, the one point when 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 June starts to scream, like uh, shortly before the baby comes out, and then the, there's the montage, and you see her thinking of all her friends and everybody supporting her, and then the baby comes out, and I'm bawling every <laughs> time. Yeah, it's so raw. Mm-hmm. But I think also too, like the moment when her and Holly are just laying there. And she looks so peaceful and the baby's not crying and they're just kind of staring at each other. Like it's so bittersweet because they're getting their one moment of peace together. Nobody can take that away from them. Like if she gave birth in the Waterford house, they'd be ripping that child away from her. So like, it's, it's so beautiful and so heartbreaking, just like the birth of her being alone, yet having all these people with her in spirit. It's just, I I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. It was a beautiful thing. It was the best possible outcome for her to be able to be alone and to, you know, give birth to her baby without weirdness going on, like Serena panting in the next room and (laughs) then to bond with her baby. She gets to hold it, put her Mm -hmm. to her skin and talk to it. So bittersweet. And she remembers the same moment with Hannah and Luke and Moira and her mom finally gets there and June doesn't wait you know she's not mad she's just really happy to see her and proud of herself when her mom Holly says you did it and then she looks at present time her daughter and names her Holly after her mom and it's so sweet and I don't think she could have a better name no it's perfect I agree uh, and then she tells her about her big sister Hannah and how one day she's gonna meet her and again I was getting a bit mad because she she talks about Hannah to her baby she only has a few minutes with Mm. the baby and she talks about Hannah but she doesn't talk about the daddy of the baby and we did see Luke and we did see everybody else so it is kind of upsetting Uh, that Nick also her support person who you know if he was there would be oh my god 
what she mm. would need to get through, you know? So oh, it's, can it we is... imagine for one minute how Nick feels right now, wherever the hell he is? Oh, oh God. freaking out. Can She's him. been left by herself. I mean, he was, <laughs> he was freaking out in the last episode when he was in Fred's office and up in his apartment. Flipping his lighter. So this has got to be worse because he knows she's all by herself. And then there's the last voiceover. I keep on going with this limping and mutilated story because I want you to hear it, as I will hear yours too if I ever get the chance. If I meet you or if you escape in the future or in heaven by telling you anything at all, I'm believing in you. I believed you into being because I'm telling you the story. I will you your existence. I tell, therefore you are. We did it, Holly. Oh, and the cop pulls out. So sweet. Mm. And it's interesting too because Holly just told her like you did it. And that's her mom, Holly. And in this case, she's talking about her baby, probably, and her mom. We did it, Holly. Like, all the generations. There's just so much in, weaved into all of this. And it's beautiful storytelling. And I think she says that uh, we did it, Holly, after the car pulls up, right? So she notices that they both managed to be alive when yep. they mm-hmm. find them. Right. So. And they play Bruce Springsteen again. And yeah. One script note after June names the baby, Holly. This is her real name, no matter what name they give her in Gilead. I just wanted to point out. I don't know if you should keep it, but like it's that. in the script. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I we couldn't have ended that on a better note. That is a wrap on our spoiler-free analysis into season two, episode 11 of The Handmaid's Tale. If you are a longtime fan, come join us on Wednesday for our deep dive into this episode. And if you're a Shining Girls fan, come join us tomorrow to discuss episode six of Shining Girls. And if you're not, maybe you should give it a try. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. You know, I think about us, the three of us, what we could be. I think about it all the time. Please, it's terrible. No, it's not. I know June. She's my friend. I care about her. How's your day going? You look pretty. Thanks. I wore it just for you. Her father's a driver named Nick. He helped me to survive. Yes, you can, because I can't lose you. I'm not gonna let anything happen to you. What about you? Your girlfriend is a badass. 